And so we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 41 through 42. And then we're going to flip over and look at a story out of, out of Simon Peter's life, Luke chapter uh, 5, verses 5 through 11. So those are the two groups of Scripture that, that we're, going to, we're going to be in. And we're going to look at this issue of how God uses ordinary people, how, how, how God can take ordinary people and you can live out a very uncommon life. One of the, the favorite stories of mine, at USA Today carried it many years ago, it was soon after 9-11, and JFK Airport spent, in the city of New York, spent $100 million on a high-tech security system so nobody could get into the runway, the airport, and all those other things like a lot of airports did. And there's a young man by the name of uh, Danny Casillo. And Danny and his buddies were out, and they were out in the bay um, on, their, on their, their jet skis, and they spent the day out on their jet skis um, hanging out, drinking, and all of those other things. Towards the end of the day, they, they decided to find out whose jet ski was faster than the others. Uh, so they, they took off. They started racing. They entered Jamaica Bay, which Jamaica Bay kind of fronts JFK Airport. And it was there that, that Danny's uh, jet ski broke down. His jet ski broke down, and he was hoping his buddies would realize, but they're in the heat of a battle. They're in the heat of a race. And so his buddies continued on. Uh, Danny sat on the jet ski for a little bit over an hour. Uh, he realized it was getting dark. Fact is, it was dark by this point. His buddies weren't coming back. So Danny paddled his way to shore, still wearing his yellow life vest. He scales the fence of JFK Airport, walks across four runways, comes up to the terminal, the Delta Terminal, Gate 10, and asks for directions. Uh, in which the, the, the baggage handlers automatically called TSA, called police. Danny was arrested. Uh, he was thrown in jail. And before Danny made it home, reporters made it to Danny's wife. And so they asked her what she thought about this. And her first reaction was, what was he thinking? I mean, just absolutely what was he thinking? I don't know if you've ever had any moments like that. What, what was I thinking? I cannot believe that. This is kind of Simon Peter's life. Simon Peter had a life that sometimes, I mean, he knocked the ball out of the park. And other times, it was those moments like Danny's. It was that moment like, what was I thinking? I cannot believe that I, I did that. And so Simon Peter, after he meets Christ, Simon Peter lives an uncommon life. And, and, and he came to the place where he trusted, he trusted God with his life. When you look at Simon Peter, if you don't know anything about him, he was... He was a common fisherman, and after he met Christ, he led an, led an uncommon life. Simon Peter, just a little biography about him. He was the first to, to uh, walk on water. He was the first disciple to correctly identify uh, Jesus Christ as the living Son of God. Uh, he was the first to visit, you know, one of the first to visit inside the tomb of Jesus, the one who preached the first gospel message in, in Acts at Pentecost. Uh, he was a he was a primary spokesperson or spokesman for the 20,000-member church there in Jerusalem. Simon Peter wrote two books of the New Testament. And Simon Peter's life was, was an uncommon life, but he was a, he was a common person. And, and I, don't, I don't think, though, it was Simon Peter's accomplishments that, that made him so popular and made him so special. It was that he was real. It was that he was authentic. It was that, that he had some failures in his life. Peter was the one who, who disagreed with Jesus that, that, he, that Jesus was going to die. One minute, Simon Peter had so much faith that he was like able to walk on water. And a few seconds later, he was filled with doubt and fear and began to sink. When, 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 when Jesus was, a, was arrested, Simon Peter was so full of courage that he like drew out a sword and defended him and whacked off a guy, guy's ear. And, and yet, a few hours later, he denied that he even knew Christ. 
I mean, it, it's easy for us sometimes to identify with someone like that, someone that, that is real, that is authentic, that is not perfect, that, that has some of those moments that they would say, you know, well, what was I thinking? And, and many times, if we're not careful, we're paralyzed in serving him because we can come to the point to think we're not perfect enough or we're not, we're not good enough. If we're not careful, we can... If we're not careful, we can expect perfection in ourselves that God does not expect. If we're not careful, we can expect perfection in ourselves, perfection in those around us that God doesn't even expect. God understands that we're a work in progress. God understands that we're maturing and we're progressing in Him. And Simon Peter was one of those guys that, that he was imperfect and he was, he was unfinished. But you see that he matures and he develops in him. And it's encouraging for me and maybe it's encouraging for you just to look at the life of Simon Peter and maybe pull out a couple of things that can help us understand, especially as we look at 2019, how we can live that uncommon life, how we can live a different life. There's a couple of things that were true in Simon Peter's life. And the first one is this that allowed him to live an uncommon life. It is this, he trusted in Christ. I mean, Simon Peter came to the place that he, he placed his trust in Christ. And so we're going to look at a story that, that all of us, that, that all of the four gospel writers wrote about, and it's a simple invitation that Simon Peter accepted from Christ. It's a simple invitation that was not dramatic, but, but it changed his life forever. When we look at Simon Peter's life, we can see how God calls us. We, God calls him, us to himself, and then ca God calls us to serve. And Simon Peter's life, Christian life, simply began with, a, with an invitation from his brother by the name of Andrew. Andrew hears that there's this Messiah, and Andrew and a close friend start following Jesus, and, and Jesus realizes that they're following him, and so Jesus turns to them and asks them a simple question and says, says what do you want? And then, then, then Andrew answered a question with a question. And he says, well, well where, do you, where do you live? And so Jesus just simply, it was an invitation, and Jesus just simply said, just, just come and see. And so Andrew and his friends spent an entire afternoon with Jesus. We picked the story up in John chapter 1, verse 41. He says, <coughs> he first found his own brother. This is after he left there. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which, which means Peter. In other words, Andrew, when Andrew met Christ, he received Christ, the first thing Andrew wanted to do is bring his family to Christ. The first thing that Andrew wanted to do is he thought of his brothers, and he thought, My brother Simon Peter doesn't know Christ. And so Simon went to him and, and introduced him basically to Christ. And it was just a simple invitation. It would change Simon Peter's life for the rest of his life. Have you ever noticed that many times that God uses a simple invitation from ordinary people to transform lives? In other words, God moves through people. God, God uses people that have a heart for other people. It was just a simple invitation, and, and God changed his life. I, I don't know if you think about your life, but I, I think about my life. My life was started with just a, a simple invitation to go to church. I had an aunt and uncle, Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob, that I've talked about often. It was a time in my life where I, I did not know Christ. And it was just a simple invitation, and Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob sat me down and says, you know what, why don't you, why don't you just come to church with us? Just a simple invitation. I had, I had no clue 
had radically changed my life. I had no clue how it would change everything. And I went to church with them. I met Christ. I met a pastor by the name of Gary Miller. And, and he had a, had a Friday night singles. I was single at the time. He had a Friday night singles worship service. And 300 singles in, in Houston would gather together. And, and Gary became a friend. And he became a mentor. And he taught me to open scripture. He taught me to teach scripture. He taught me to serve. And then, then one night I, I was there. And this, this girl walked in by the name of Karen Armantrout. And I just... I just asked her a simple question. I just said, hey, after church, a bunch of us are going uh, somewhere for dinner. Would you like to go? It was just nervous, simple, but an irresistible invitation. <laughs> and she said yes. And so it, it actually we ended up riding together by a, a system of events that you don't care about and Karen doesn't want me to share. And... and <laughs> And then just a real funny thing, just real quickly while we're on this subject. And then she left. It was a whole leave your Bible in the car trick so we'd have to see each other again. I'm just kidding. I know it was an accident. <laughs> and then we got married and had kids. And, and we, we, started, we started serving together. And to get together, we were, we were Christians, new Christians within a year of one another. And we're trying to figure out life and marriage and raising kids and serving in the local church. And then, then, then sometime later in 1994 in the church where we were serving, I was a deacon. and I was working in, 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 a, in a secular job. And, and the, the, the senior pastor, Dr. Kurt Dodds, many of you know, simply Kate called us and said, could we stop by your house? And, and just a simple question and said, would you go to Pueblo, Colorado with me and start a church? And I'd surrendered to ministry, and it's a long story. And then, then it hit, led us to here. And then 1999, Dr. Dodd um, had an offer to go to a church in Florida, and he left. And then, and then you guys asked me, would you like to be our senior pastor? And, and, and those were shaky times. Remember that? I don't know if any of us really thought we would make it, right? I mean, I, I learned that that's how you become senior pastor. You just outlast everybody else. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you just continue to hang in there. And, and, and I, look, I, I look back on my life and I see how one simple invitation changed my life. What happened if an Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob, and you say, how about it? You'd like to go to church with us? Man, I wonder how many of you, your Christian journey started out with a simple invitation. Someone invited you to church. Someone started witnessing to you. See, this was, this was Andrew. Andrew just simply reached out to his brother and said, I know of this guy, the Messiah. Would you just come and would you just hear him? And how much was Simon Peter's life changed from a simple invitation? How much was my life changed? And maybe how much was your life changed? I'm, I'm so thankful that the number of you that invited family and friends and took us up on the, the invitation, the offer, the challenge, however you want to say that, to invite family and friends to the Christmas Eve service. And af after the year that we've had, it's been a little bit difficult. And yet, yet when, we, when, we, when we got together at the convention center, our attendance was exactly the same from the year before. And you know why? Because many of you invited family and friends. 
we were preparing for that service, and we knew that service needed to be different than it had been in the past for a lot of reasons. And so our pastors were praying through what that service should look like. Along the same time, about three or four weeks prior to that, Darren Long, one of our deacons, he heads up our prayer ministry. He just simply stopped me in the foyer and said, Charlie, would you pray about doing a prayer response at the, at the Christmas Eve service? I know it's something that we typically don't do. People are there to kind of light candles, sing some carols, and, and, and ring in Christmas together. But he said, what we find year after year is there's people with hurts and needs and struggles. And so would, would, you, just, would you just pray about it? So our, our pastors, so we prayed about it. And then we worked out the logistics of that. And for those of you that were there, it was a simple invitation. And our staff and our prayer partners, were we were overwhelmed by the response. It shows that there's like this spiritual hunger in our city. That people weren't there just to light a candle. People weren't there just to sing some carols. See, this is, this is Andrew. Andrew understood that it could change everything that if I steward this time well, that if I just simply invite my brother Simon Peter to come meet this guy, that it radically changed my life and just see what he would do in Simon Peter's life. Man, with all the opportunities that we have as a, as a church, I would hope that you would find some opportunity to invite someone, bring someone, whether it's a church service, whether it's through impact ministries, whether it's an opportunity to serve alongside of us in the community or wherever, in hopes that they would meet Christ and their life would be dramatically trained, changed. I mean, here, here's the thing, and I, I know this sermon is supposed to be about Simon Peter, but there's something about Andrew that's just not really talked about, right? Every time you see Andrew in the scriptures, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Fact is, he, he, he never preached a message. He never preached a Pentecost message. He never did something huge in the local church. But every time you see Andrew, it seems like that he's, he's just, he just bringing someone to, to Christ. He's just inviting someone to church. Because, see, Andrew knew that church is, is a place where not only we serve God, but where we, we meet him. Fact is, and you can look at this for yourself. Now, let me run through some of them. John chapter 6, uh, Andrew brings a boy who has, who has five, uh, five loaves of bread and, and two fish. And he brings the boy to Jesus, and then Jesus changes his life and, and feeds a multitude through, through that young man. John chapter 12, there were, the, there was these Greek people, and, 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 and they were asking questions about Christ. And so all of a sudden, it was Andrew that, that says, well, I can take you to them and, and take you to him. And he took him to him and introduced him. But the one that I'm sure that Andrew was moved the most over was his brother. Man, there's something about us, right? We want our family to know Christ. We want our family in heaven with us. Can you imagine what pride that Andrew had when Peter began to follow Christ and when he preached to, to the Pentecost message and over 3,000 people responded, Andrew had to be proud. And Jesus had an invitation for Simon Peter and he has an invitation for us. And we were promised in Scripture that, that when, we, when we pursue people and we love people, that God will move and work through us. John chapter 1, verse 42, it says, he said he brought him to Jesus, talking about Andrew. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. 
so interesting because it's like a gospel message. It's like when the transformation happened. And Jesus said, you shall be called Cephas, Cephas which, which means Peter. In other words, the name Peter means, it means like rock-like. It means stable. It means a, a foundation. It, it means dependable. But, but Simon Peter had been anything but dependable up to this time. I mean, he was one of these guys that was, what was I thinking guy? He would be the guy on the, on the wave runner or the, or, the, or the motorcraft that would go into JFK Airport. I mean, he would be the guy. He lived that type of life. And so this invitation was more than a name change. It was an invitation to radically change your life. Everybody who knew Simon Peter may have laughed that Jesus was calling him dependable because Simon Peter was anything but dependable. But you know what Jesus was doing? He was trying to help Simon Peter understand his potential in him. He was trying to help him to understand that I can radically change your life and I can radically change your character and I can change the trajectory of your life. Who once was known as is, is not dependable can be known as the rock, Cephas. It can be known as the one who is dependable. Jesus named him for not who he was or what he was, but what he could become by God's grace. What is behind you does not have to define you. And that was Simon Peter's life. And Simon, Simon Peter understood that. Jesus helped him to understand that he didn't want him to focus on his past, but on the potential that he had in Christ. And we as a result should help people do the same. First Thessalonians 5.14, it says, and, and, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and just be patient. With them all. Sometimes we expect perfection in ourselves and perfection in those around us more than Christ expects. And we're an unfinished work. We're an unfinished work. Hebrews says this in Hebrews 3.13. It says, but exhort, in other words, encourage, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Second thing about an uncommon life, the second thing about Simon Peter is he not only trusted in Christ, but he, and he trusted in his word. Christ's words were like everything to him. Today, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's, there's a lot of debate going on that if the Bible is authentic and if you can trust the Bible and if the Bible is reliable and all of those other things and and if it's truly the word of God. And, and, and sometimes we act like these are only debates going on in our time. They were going on in the time of Jesus as well. Not everybody believed in the Old Testament. Not, not everybody believed that the Old Testament scrolls were authentic. Or could speak in their life in their time. Not everybody believed that the words of Christ were the word of God. That was like the Bible to them in their day. So not everybody believed that. But Simon Peter was different. In other words, Simon Peter not only trusted in Christ. He he trusted in, in his word. And it, it's something of great interest to me. The, the Bible, just real quickly, the Bible is not a scientific book. But where the Bible speaks scientifically, it's never been disproven. Do you know that? It has never been disproven. Fact is, medical advances, scientific advances have been proving the Bible for years upon years upon years. I could just give you a, just, just a few, a few just, just real quickly. Um, Leviticus, in Levit Le Leviticus chapter 15, the scripture says that life is found in the blood. When that was written thousands of years, years ago, people made fun of that. 
It was until thousands of years later in medical advances that they found, scientifically, they found that, guess what? Life really is in the blood. Corinthians says this. Corinthians says not all flesh is the same. The flesh of, of birds and, and, and animals and, and, and humans, is, not all flesh is the same. It's all different. It wasn't until thousands of years later that that was proven to be true. I mean, when you look at Scripture and you look at the Bible where it speaks scientifically, it's never been disproven. You know that, right? A lot of the areas that a lot of people point to is like the creation story and, and, and some of those things. Here's just something real interesting. In, G- in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, when after the fall, and then God looks at the serpent, the snake, and says, as a result of this, you're going you're gonna to crawl on your belly and you're going to lick the dust or you're going to lick the dirt for the rest of your life. There's something in snakes. It was found, found out many years ago. There's something in snakes called Jacobson's gland. It's two glands that sit on the top inside the mouth of the snake that the forked tongue actually fits in. And it has been scientifically proven that to help a snake have a sense of smell, when the forked tongue comes out, it either licks the ground or grabs the dust of the earth, grabs the, the ground, the dust, back in its mouth, it puts the tongue in those glands, and it gets a sense of smell from that. A snake, for its entire life, just as Genesis says, licks the ground or licks the dust of the earth. See, Simon Peter was one of these guys that, that he was moved by God's word. He trusted God's word. It was in Luke chapter 5 tells us that, that when Jesus was, was teaching him and, he was in, and Simon was, was in his boat and he was cleaning the nets and, and Jesus jumped up in his boat and, and, and said, could he borrow it for a, for a platform to, to preach a sermon? And so he told Simon Peter, he said, push out from shore. And, and Simon Peter obeyed and Simon Peter simply did that. And so Jesus got, got permission, and, and Simon pushed away from shore, and he, he preached a message, and, and he used that bay, he used that area as a, as a natural amphitheater. And then when the, when the sermon was over, uh, Jesus said to, to Simon Peter, he says, I, I, I want to go to deeper water, and I want you to throw your nets out into deeper water, and Simon, you're, you're, you're going to catch a lot of fish. And Simon Peter was an experienced fisherman. And the last thing he probably wanted to do was take advice from an ex-carpenter. I mean, fishermen of their day, if you've never seen the Sea of Galilee, it's a, it's, a very, it's a very deep lake. And so fishermen of their day, they did not have the ability to fish deep, so they only fished at night. Simon Peter had fished all night. He hadn't caught a thing. There's no experienced fisherman would fish in the heat of the day because that's when fish would go down to the depths and their nets couldn't reach them. And so, so Jesus told him to throw out the nets and... And so verse 5, here's what, here's what he says. He said, and Simon Peter answered, Master, we, we, we've, we've toiled all night long, and we took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down my nets. New American Standard says this. It phrases it this way. I love the way New American Standard phrases it. It, it says, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. When you look at Simon Peter, Simon Peter trusted God's word over everything. In verse 6, as we just read on, he says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. 
But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and, and all who were with him were, were astonished at the catch of fish that they had, had taken. And when Simon Peter saw how powerful Jesus was, his first reaction was to understand his, his unworthiness. His first reaction was to understand that, that he was unworthy for God to work through him. His natural reaction was just to fall down and just to, to worship him. This is the first time that we see in Scripture that Simon Peter actually worships the, the Christ. And Simon Peter had no church background. But he just fell down and began to worship him. Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. In other words, worship is, is like this, this, this adoration of, of the most powerful, it's the most powerful expression of, of, of that a human is, is capable of, to fall down and to worship him, to understand who he is and who he is in his life and what he's done. In Simon Peter, you see this posture of worship to where it was, it was not only internal, but it was external, where he fell down and he just began to worship him, saying, I am not perfect, but, but you are perfect. And he began to worship him. He became astonished by the activity of God in his life. And, and all of a sudden he understood who God was and what God had done in his life. And when God called, when God called Moses, and Moses said, I can't, God didn't say, yes, you can, and try to pump him up. God says, you're right, you can but I can through you. Listen, the uncommon life is lived when we, follow an, when we follow an uncommon God and we understand that his word is true and it can be trusted. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, As such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. We have to remember the changing power of God and that he can do in us and through us. And we are formed by God to worship him and to follow him. Jesus was able to help Simon Peter understand his potential. Luke chapter 5 verse 10 says, And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. For now on you will be, you will be catching men. Jesus is telling him that life is not all about catching fish. And he says, I... I have a ministry for you. I have a place for you to serve. And Simon Peter begins to follow him and begins to serve him. In other words, he came to the place to where he understood that his life was more than just what he could accomplish. But it's what he could accomplish for him. Luke chapter 5 verse 11 says, And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they, they followed him. Simon Peter became a Christ follower. And Simon Peter understood that he could steward his life in such a way that God could use him. To follow Christ means you would humble yourself and you would follow him and you would follow his teachings. Simon Peter left everything, but you see that he had such a blessed life. You see, as in Scripture, his mother-in-law gets healed and he learned deeper things from, of God and he, he witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He he preaches the first gospel message and 3,000 people responded. He was delivered from prison and, and, he, and he lives with Christ in a, an eternity today. And people say there is something special about Simon Peter. And Jesus says that if you, if you leave everything, I'll restore a hundredfold to you. And what is God calling you to do in 2019? To understand the influence that you have in the circles 
that God has given you just to serve him and just to follow him, to come to that place to where you trust his word at such a level that you say, because you say so, I will. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?